All right, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. That was weak. First service killed it. There were like 10 people in here. Come on. Good morning. There we go. All right. Everybody have a good New Year, Christmas, everything. Yeah? Good. Thank you. I'm interactive, so whatever you guys got to do to wake up and, you know, get moving around. I'll do most of the talking, but every once in a while. Uh, Well, as as Mark said, um, it's it's my my pleasure, my my opportunity to uh, share my story with you guys. And, you know, I I see a lot of the the youth, but uh, a lot of times I'm not able to come and hang out with you guys and, and talk to you as much, so it's a, a great privilege to be able to do so. Uh, one thing I, I will mention, part of my story takes place in San Diego. Um, that's where I'm born and raised. Thank you. Yeah, a couple. we got a couple San Diegans in Bridgewood, which is crazy. Um, and uh, also, some of you guys may notice, being from San Diego, I am barefoot. Uh, I can't afford shoes. I have them. Um, they're just hiding. <laughs> um, and part of the, part of the reason I, I do that is... Um, I, I take that passage where, where Moses encounters the burning bush uh, very seriously, where he says, take off your sandals. See, sandals. Uh, this, the ground on which you are standing is holy ground. Um, so if you guys notice, a lot of times I'm up there running around, you know, hanging out with the kids. I'm, I'm usually barefoot because I, I like to think that this is, uh, this is holy ground here. So um, I, I, I wash them. They're clean, so they shouldn't smell. I notice nobody's in the front row, though, so I'm a little nervous. Well, um, as I did say, I, I grew up in, in San Diego, and uh, I have kind of an interesting story, you know, working with a guy like Brendan, where his, his dad's a pastor, his uncle's a pastor, his grandfather, great-grandfather. You keep going down, his family tree is just all pastors. Um, I come from a little bit of a different situation. None of my family really is, is Christian. My folks aren't uh, believers. So my, my mom jokes that I, I came by my faith honestly because they weren't going to force me into it. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm, I'm the only pastor who is a black sheep of his family. Because um, I, I, I go to hang out with my family and, hey, who's coming to church with me? It's silent. Uh, they like their sleep. That's all right. Um, but I, I really do. Uh, I, I'm really grateful, actually, of, of, the, of where I came from. And my, my parents are awesome. And uh, I, I have a great family. But... It really was something that I had to, uh, to press in and, and take ownership of from an early age, uh, which I think really helped me out, actually, down the road. Um, I, I'm a nerd. If any of you, not a lot of shocked faces. Um, <laughs> I, I love to learn. I love to read. Uh, I love comic books, superheroes. I work at Geek Squad. If that doesn't explain everything right there, um, I don't know what else to tell you. But from an early age, I was just, anything I get my hands on, I would read. And in fifth grade, we started doing a study in world religion. So we'd learn about Islam, Judaism, Buddhism. I mean, any of the isms you could throw at them. Uh, they were they were just trying to give us a, a wide breadth of knowledge. And um, of course, Christianity was in there as well. So every every time that we'd go through a new uh, new religion that we were learning about, I would I would dig and read through everything and test it, um, you know, from reading parts of the Quran, the Torah, Buddhist teachings, um, came on fifth grade, like I said, total nerd, and I, I just, I got so excited by it, because I, I really felt there was something out there, you know, something, something bigger than, than what we have here on earth, and, and I wanted to find out what that was, and every, everything kind of came and went, I, I dig through, um, when we did the Buddhism teaching, I took a vow of silence, uh, which, if you know me at all, is fairly impressive. 
Um, it lasted 45 minutes, which <laughs> never stopped then. Um, but I, <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where just everything that, that I went through and dug through, none of it, none of it stuck uh, and, until we started learning about Christianity and, and I started digging deeper into the Bible. And, um, and, and when I pressed in, you know, I, I felt God really press back. And I was, that was really exciting because that was the first time in my life where I really had felt that happen. So I went to my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I want to go to church. And she kind of looked at me like I, you know, grew a second head. And uh, she said, well, okay, if you want to do that, we can, we can go. And, um, you know, I was like, you know, your father and I won't, but you can. And so she, would, she drove me around a couple of different churches, and we, we'd walk in, and my mom would, you know, meet with the pastor, make sure that it wasn't a, you know, Kool-Aid drinking cult. And um, I'd get to go around and, and walk around the church and talk to pastors and the children's pastors and, and really get a, you know, get an idea for what the church was. So I walked into this one church in San Diego. Um, it was a little bit of a similar setup. They had, you know, it was a little bit more Lutheran though, so they had like the stained glass and things like that. Uh, they did have a big screen where you got to see all the words. Uh, fifth grade brain, uh, I thought it was a TV. Oh, this is great. We got to watch TV in church. Um, I, won't, I won't miss my Sunday morning cartoons. But uh, I, I rapidly found out that it, it, w- it was not a TV, but uh, by then I was hooked, and I, I just you know, kind of jumped in feet first and started going to the youth group, uh, ended up going to a summer camp in between my fifth and sixth grade years. And I, I remember two things about this summer camp. Uh, first of all, we got to play with bows and arrows, which was awesome. Uh, but then second of all, uh, I, I had this vivid mental picture of... Uh, just sitting at a picnic table by the lake. Uh, it was dark. There was a campfire nearby. And I was just weeping as um, one of the counselors invited me to accept Christ. And I did. And uh, once again, from there, I, I don't do anything halfway. So I was, I was all in. Uh, started going to church. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a morning person um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you, you guys are all second service. You get it. <laughs> I don't have that option. But uh, I'm not a morning person, so in being in, you know, fifth and sixth grade and having to wake myself up for church, get ready, get moving. Anybody have kids that just will not get out of bed? My dad more than once had to throw a glass of water on me to get me to school on time. Um, but every, every Sunday, without fail, I would, I'd wake up, you know, shower, get dressed. I'd go wake my mom up, and she'd drive me to church, drop me off, and then she'd go to Starbucks for a little bit until I was ready to come out. And, um, and having to to step into that role of taking ownership of my faith. If, if I wanted to go to church, I was going to be the one that had to do it. Uh, that has kind of followed me through, through my life. Um, you know, it was very difficult telling my parents I wanted to be a youth pastor. Uh, as supportive as they are, it was, there was a lot of head scratching. Um, you want to do what? Where? And, um, but sure enough, uh, God's been faithful through it all. And when I was in, when I was in high school, we, you know, I stepped into a leadership role in the youth group and started playing bass. You know, as soon as I could get a guitar, I was on the worship team. And I just, I loved every minute of it. I just, I couldn't get enough. And so I kept digging deeper and deeper. Uh, we, we had kind of a revolving door situation with our youth pastors, where out of the four years of my high school, I had, you know, three different youth pastors. And the only reason it wasn't four was because the last half of my senior year, we didn't have a youth pastor, uh, which was, was crazy and, and very difficult for me. He left us with very little notice and uh, it, was, it was a little bit of a struggle, but 
a group of us got together, and um, juniors and seniors in high school, and we, we had, a, had a talk. And we said, you know what, if this is going to continue, if we're going to keep having youth group and really pressing into what God's doing, we're going to have to take a hold of it and run with it. And it was probably the hardest time uh, that I can remember in, just in terms of my, my spiritual journey. But it was also one of the most rewarding because we, we ended up taking over our youth group. And my, you know, we had a couple people that would come and you know, help out a little bit. But then you know, after a few weeks with, with high schoolers, uh, most people run screaming for the hills. Um, those of us don't that were weird. And uh, I remember, though, my mom, actually, once again, not a believer, didn't, you know, wasn't a Christian, would come and sit in, in our, our services so that we could have access to the room. And uh, we'd have student-led worship. We'd have student speakers. A group of us would rotate around and just share what God's been doing in our lives. And, and I just remember from there, it was, it was so clear to me that even in the midst of our, our difficulty and our trials, that God was just, God was just moving in crazy ways. Um, out of our group of, I think it was eight of us that ended up being seniors that year, uh, our, our group was just so blessed. We had, I think... Uh, Five of us are in full or part-time ministry, and the other three are um, volunteering in other ways at churches. So, I mean, we just God had a hold of our youth group, and we weren't willing to let that fall away just because um, we didn't have somebody older than us to show us the way. And then, of course, uh, my, my senior year, I just graduated. Uh, Brendan comes in the picture. And uh, from there, it was all bets off. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was Brendan's intern for, for a, a, sem- or a, a summer. Then after that, we, I kind of followed him around to try and learn anything I could from him because um, I knew I wanted to be a youth pastor. And sure enough, I, I got a call from him a, a couple years later after he'd moved out here um, asking if I wanted to move out to Minnesota and, and take up the youth pastor job. Uh, I told him, no, it's cold. <laughs> and it is. Um, as some of you may have figured out, I ended up taking the job, and um, it, was, it was one of those situations where I, you know, I really felt that if, if I was going to move out here and, and take, this, you know, take this opportunity, then God was really going to have to move, because I love Mexican food, and you guys don't have it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so, of course, I, I come out here to, to have my interview with the leadership team, meet the staff, and uh, kind of go through the motions. And uh, as soon as I walked in this place, I just really felt that God was, was moving and active in this place, and I wanted to be a part of that, and that he wanted me here. So, um, fast forward two years down the road, here I am, um, having the opportunity to hang out with you guys and uh, weather the storm that is zero degrees with you, friends. Um, I, I've had some, some really interesting opportunities since being here at Bridgewood. Uh, you guys have definitely made my life interesting, and which I appreciate. I don't like being bored. Um, last October, I actually had the chance on Halloween. Uh, I, was, I spent my Halloween in prison. I don't know about you guys. Um, they let me out. Yeah, yeah. I, I've even brought a couple of our students with us. Um, <laughs> I, I was there for a, uh, for a ministry opportunity to, to speak to some 400... Um, 400, 300, 400, somewhere around there, at least in the ballpark, uh, three or 400 prisoners um, at the Lion Lakes, Lionel Lakes Correctional Facility. And it was interesting because the, the passage that God really laid on my heart to communicate to those men uh, is the same one that he put on my heart today. Um, well, when I was doing my preparation for today. I'm not making this up on the spot. Uh, 
But it's, uh, it's when Peter walks on water. And if you guys have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me um, to Matthew 14. And we'll be going through 25 through 32. It's on the screen as well. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I, this, this is probably one of my favorite passages. Um, and, I, and I love Peter. He's one of my favorite disciples because uh, he is, you know, he's the rock. He's the man. Um, when Peter gets it, he gets it. He is, you know, he hops out of the boat. He starts walking towards Jesus. Um, and then he falls, right? Because Peter can go from like this, this great, you know, just this great emulation of what you want to be. Like he, he just, he gets it. And the next minute he's denying Jesus three times. You're like, dude, how, how can you go from, from point A to point B so quickly? Uh, and then I realize because he's exactly like we are and human. Um, and I, I can think of so many times in my life where I've been uh, at such a point in my relationship with God. I'm like, man, nothing's going to touch this. And the next week I look back, like, what happened? Um, how did I get here? But I, I love this verse, uh, and I love, I love preaching about it because I, I feel like I get a chance to redeem it a little bit. Um, I don't know about you guys, but every time, uh, not every time, but most of the time when I heard this message preached, uh, there was this, you know, this home run message of like, don't take your eyes off Jesus. Um, you know, and you look at Peter and saying, don't be like Peter, he's an idiot. Because he took his eyes off Jesus and he fell, and then Jesus had to pick him up, dust him off, and you know, kind of wag his finger at him and say, well, why'd you doubt Peter, you dummy? Um, it's not in there, if you're wondering. That's the New Morgan translation. But I, I love it because I, I think Peter does get a bad rep, and, and I, I think that, that we need to realize that Peter did something amazing. He did something that two people have done. He walked on water. Yeah, thank you. There is no precedence for what happened here. There is no, no, thought, no rational thought in, in Peter's mind um, that you can look and say without Jesus, Peter could have hopped out of that boat whenever he wanted. Peter was a, you know, an, accomplished, a, an experienced fisherman, right? When, when Jesus found him, he was, he was out fishing with his family, and he called him, and he said, you know, come and I'll make you fishers of men. So for an experienced fisherman who spent his lifetime in the water to hop out of the boat in the middle of the wind and the waves um, is insanity, plain and simple, without Jesus. I grew up in San Diego. Um, from an early age, we had a healthy respect for the water. Um, I, I just remember, you know, the first time out at the beach, my mom sitting me down, and you, know, you can see the ocean. You're on the beach, and you can't do anything because you've got to listen to the, you know, the parents speak about, oh, you know, you could drown, and you could die. This is dangerous. And they're like, I don't care. I just want to get in the waves. And um, so I, I understand what, what must have been going on through his head because, you know, there is, the, there is a chance. That he's not, it's not like he's just walking out into the lake and it's, it's a calm, clear day. There's storms. There's wind and rain and, um, you know, huge waves. And, and he just hops out with the sandals on. 
But here's the thing, is the fact that Peter takes the first step. When, G- when Jesus walks by, they think he's a ghost, right? So they freak out, understandably so. But he says, Lord, if it's you, call me out with you. And that's a huge statement because that tells us a few things about Peter. Peter acknowledges the fact that Jesus is Lord. And he says, you can do whatever you want. You can walk on water. It's not a thing for you to make me walk on water. Once again, there's no precedence for this. This is, this is just Peter. This is one of his, his moments of just brilliance. But also he, he acknowledges the fact that he wants to be where Jesus is. I don't know about you guys, but I'm in a boat, and there's, you know, Jesus walking on the water. There's, there's a part of me that'd be like, hey, Jesus, come join us, man. Come, come hop in the boat with us, and, uh, you know, you can, you can calm, the, calm the seas like you did before, and everything will be hunky-dory. But Peter doesn't do that. Peter says, I want to be where you are. Whatever that means, whatever the situation that is, I want to be there. He puts himself in a position to be used. For God's glory. And you see that further down the passage where he says, you know, it says that, uh, that when they got in the boat, they, they, they worshiped Jesus and said, truly, you are the Son of God. So he, allowed, he, he left himself open to be used for God's glory. Second of all, he risked. He risked death, right? If, if, he, if he hops out of that boat and, you know, Jesus doesn't, let the water support him. He's going straight through in the, in the storm and rain, and, you know, there's a chance he could drown. He was looking like an idiot. Um, I, I can guarantee if I did something like that and I fell through the water, even if, you know, and Jesus came over and pulled me up, uh, if we're sitting around that campfire, I know Brendan and Mark are over there, you know, nudging me. You dry yet, huh? Yeah, you warm? Idiot. Um, you know, Mark, Mark's words would be a little kinder. You goofball, maybe, but... Um, but he, he risked making himself look like an idiot in front, of, in front of his friends because he had trust that, that the Lord was going to protect him in that. And, and one of my favorite parts is, is when he does take his eyes off Jesus. Um, and once again, I mean, I, I don't blame him. I, I've been there where you, you're, you feel like you're in a great spot and then suddenly you take your eyes off for one second and it's all gone. But, but this is the beauty that, that the word immediately jumps out. He says, immediately Jesus reached down and pulled him up. He didn't wait. He didn't let him suffer a little bit. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you in a minute. You've got to learn your lesson first. But it says, immediately he reached down and pulled him up. And I know there's a lot of times in my life where I felt like I was drowning. And, um, and the Lord pulled me out of it. And it may not have felt immediate at the time. But looking back, I can see where his, his hand was always there. And he was, he was just waiting for me to, to reach out and grab it. When, uh, when, when Mark and myself uh, came out to Minnesota, uh, you know, we, we moved out together, and um, it was, it was kind of one of those things where a lot of, a lot of prayer, uh, as you can imagine, um, uprooting your entire life, you know, my entire, all my family, my friends, uh, everything I'd known was out in San Diego, and, um, and here we are, it's two San Diegans moving out to Minnesota in the middle of February, because uh, we're brilliant, and we... <laughs> we, we shipped all our stuff out, and we're, and we're getting ready. We've got all, everything packed up. You know, I'm down to a backpack and a small duffel bag full of clothes. And, um, you know, about a week before we're supposed to move out, uh, we get a call from, from Mark Spencer, and he says, hey, uh, there's been an issue with the housing. 
um, you guys don't have a place right now. So Mark and I kind of look at each other, great, we're homeless. Um, I have no stuff, I have a backpack, and we need to find an apartment. And suddenly my, my house, or my, my, my parents' uh, house, turned into a war room. I mean, it was, everybody was on phones, calling, you know, 10 different apartment buildings, trying to see if we could find a place that was available, where we could get in. You know, we had, we had ten, six days, because we had three days before we were going to leave, and it was a three-day trip out. Um, and we, so we were, we were under the time crunch. And my, my parents, being the sensible, reasonable people they are, uh, asked me, why don't you guys just hold off a bit? You know, you can let the stuff get there first, that's fine, but, you know, why don't, why don't you guys take a step back, find a place, and you guys can move over there, you know, in the next couple weeks or, you know, even a month later. Uh, which made sense, rationally. Um, luckily, Mark and I are rational people, and <laughs> we, we sat and we prayed about it, and we, we really just asked the Lord, is this, what do you want for us? You know, is this, is this a sign from you saying, hey, take a step back, hold on, um, or, or are we just supposed to take that leap of faith and, and trust that everything's going to work out? And sure enough, I, I go back to my parents and say, you know what, we, we thought about it and we're, we're going to go, uh, which is terrifying. Um, and, and my parents were kind of bewildered and, and kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Like, oh, we have a backup plan. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, they didn't know that li- living in our car was the backup plan, but <laughs> we knew it wouldn't come to that. So, so we actually, uh, we found a place that, that had an apartment open, and, um, you know, they said, okay, well, we can get you to get started on the background check, probably get you a key uh, in about 10 days. So it's there, okay, 10 minus 6 is 4. Uh, you know, uh, that's too many days um, where we can't, you know, like, we're going to be out there for four days without an apartment, but... It was what it was, so we said, okay, we'll just, we're going to trust that God's going to move, and um, we're, we're going to go. So we start, you know, we got all the paperwork started and everything, packed up our bags, and, uh, and started on the drive out. We're in the middle of Nowheresville, New Mexico. Um, I, I think there was, the town maybe had a stop sign. And uh, we get it, we're, they had a gas station, I know that because we were stopped at it. And we get a call from our apartment uh, or potential apartment building, and they say, hey, so your, your background checks came through. Uh, nothing showed up. Cool, that's what we expected, you know. Um, and they said, no, 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 you don't understand. Nothing showed up. You don't exist. <laughs> that was our reaction. I'm on the phone with you. Um, <laughs> I suddenly became someone's imaginary friend. And we... <laughs> so... Okay, what what can we do? Obviously, we exist. We're people, and um, they said, "Well, we need you to fax over a birth certificate, you know, or a passport. We need another form of identification, some way of proving that you are who you are." Okay, that makes sense. We're in the middle of New Mexico. All of our stuff is in a shipping crate, um, hopefully in Minnesota, and we're down to two backpacks and a couple duffel bags. Perfect. So I say, Mark, we got to figure this out. So he starts digging through his stuff. Sure enough, Mark had shoved his birth certificate in his backpack. So he's taken care of. Um, I start digging through my car, and sure enough, I have a passport lying in the, uh, the center console. Pull out our phones, GPS. There is a FedEx Kinko's in this tiny little town, a block and a half away from where we currently were. Yeah, I mean, I, 
if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. We didn't walk on water, I guess, but, um, you know, having a passport and a birth certificate amongst the, the, the few meager possessions we had was, was uh, pretty incredible for us. So, so we start out, and, you know, and sure enough, we, we get here, and um, we're, we're here for a day. I think we spent one night in a hotel, and the next morning they called us and said, pick up your keys. Um, and it was, it was one of those things, though, where I, I look back, and there were so many times on that trip where Mark and I could have easily looked at each other and said, we're done, we're going home, we're turning around. This is too much for me, man. You know, I know it's going to be cold. You know, there's no ocean. There's, there's too many things stacked against us. We're, we're, we're done. And, um, you know, we, we, we were just, I, I'm so blessed that we, we had the, the courage and um, the, the fortitude to stick it out and to trust that, that regardless of what we, you know, what, what came at us, what storms we were in, that the Lord was going to be there to pull us out of it. And uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't think either of us really ever had a doubt that everything was going to come through. I mean, it was one of those moments um, where in that shining clarity, you just knew that God had your back. And then, of course, you know, I, I, look, I look at Peter, and it's just, it, it's shocking to me. Uh, just the, the depth of faith that it took. And I, I don't know what happens, um, you know, when we get to heaven, if we have a chance to, to ask any questions. But I, I want to ask Peter one question. And I'll, I'll ask it of you. If, if, if you're on the boat and Jesus calls you out on the water, what do you do? And not do you get out of the boat or not, because that's, I mean, he, he answered that question. But how do you do it? Right? Was, was Peter a guy that, that dipped his toe in? Was he a guy that, you know, when, when we go to the ocean, uh, you know, it's, it's very cold out in San Diego in the ocean. It's a good, you know, 60 degrees. Um, people in wetsuits. But there are some people that, you know, there, there's basically two forms of thought. You either kind of inch your way in until, you know, it's up to your neck and you're, you know, you're warm. Or you, you see the first wave, you run towards it, you dive head first, and, you know, you're good from there. Uh, I'm very much the second type of person. Um, but I, I want to ask Peter, what, what did you do? Was it one of those things where you, you walked out in, in trepidation, where you, were, you didn't know what was going to happen? I, I don't see that. I, I think, you know, Peter, Peter tells him that, or, you know, Peter says, hey, call me out on the water and I'll go. Right? That doesn't sound like a fearful response. I'm sure he was nervous. But, I, and this is, once again, purely speculation, but I, I, I think he jumped out. I think, and it says he walked on water, I think he ran on it. You know, at least at first. Then maybe he starts to see some of the wind and the waves, but I, I can't imagine that, that a guy like Peter who, who understands the power of Jesus, he understands that he is the Lord. I can't imagine that, that he was fearful in that first moment. And then I, then I look at Jesus, and I, I look at the picture of Jesus that I've heard when I hear this sermon, or this, this passage preached in a sermon, um, where it's kind of this, this finger-wagging, scolding Jesus. Oh, Peter, shame on you. How did you doubt me? You know what I'm capable of. I don't see that in Jesus. I see, I see a Jesus who, who hangs out with the, the dregs of society, right? The people that most of us would write off. Um, he's not hanging out with the, you know, the upstanding members of, 
polite society. He's hanging out with sailors and, you know, sinners. And not once do I see him condemn. Not once do I see him look at somebody and say, oh, how dare you. Every time there's such a beautiful grace that he extends. And, and I think that the same thing happened with Peter where, you know, it was, it was very much, uh, man, you were so close. Like you had it. You were right there. It wasn't an anger. It wasn't a, a scolding, but it was, it, was, it was almost a, hey, we'll get him next time. And I think that, that he understands that Peter Peter's a flawed person, um, like we all are. And I, I think that, that he understood that the courage it took to, to step out, the, the foresight it took to understand that he wants to be where Jesus is. He doesn't want Jesus to come to him. He wants to step out in the wind and the waves and uh, whatever storms may come, he's going to brave them because the Lord's got his back. And that is one thing that I, I, I don't ever see um, from Peter, except maybe that one moment where he denied him, where he was, he was you know, a little bit afraid of what might happen to him. But usually it's, you know, Peter gets in trouble because he's, uh, he's impetuous. He kind of, he, he jumps without thinking. Um, and at this moment, I think that was probably a strength. Because he knew he didn't have to think too much about if the Lord was going to catch him. He knew that God was going to be there. And if Jesus was calling him out into the water, there was a purpose for it. And that purpose for, was for Jesus' glory. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. I, when I, was, I, I had the chance to go out to San Diego for, for Christmas. and um, I, So I got, I got to spend Christmas Eve with you, fine folks. And then uh, Christmas Day, I flew into San Diego and, and was able to hang out with my, my family. Um, a bunch of my cousins actually didn't know that I was coming out. My mom kept it a uh, pretty hush-hush. And uh, I, I remember distinctly the, the face of one of my cousins. Uh, my sister and I were, were driving up to my aunt's house, and, uh, you know, he sees, he sees my sister in the driver's seat, and, he, and he's, like, he's like, he starts waving and smiling. And then he kind of, like, stops, and he just says this, like, what? And it was cool. It was, it was such confusion, just like, what, what just happened? Um, but anyways, while I was out there, I, I had this, uh, the opportunity to hang out with some, some old friends. And uh, one, one of my friends, uh, he, he, he was, I, was, I was sharing with him about what I'm, gonna, you know, what I'm sharing with you guys. And he goes, oh, man, that's, that's really cool. And then, he, and then he gave me, he's like, he's like oh, did you, ever, did you ever take a look at this verse? I was like, you know, this is a, first I'll share with you guys in a minute. But I said, I said oh, you know, I hadn't really thought about that as being, being something to look at for this, this sermon. And then, uh, then last night we had our staff Christmas party because we're a little bit of slackers. And, uh, it's better than last year. I think we had it in June. Um, <laughs> but I, I had this, uh, so we're, we're hanging around, and, um, and, and Matt and Mark led us in some worship, which was great. And uh, Matt prayed, and, and he, he actually spoke this verse, and I was like, man, this is, this is total confirmation. Um, so I, I want to share it with you guys. It's Psalm 20, uh, verse 7. But in the psalm, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a psalm about battle and, and raising up banners for the Lord. And uh, it's got this very battlefield mentality. Um, and and it, it talks about all these things, about shouting for joy and being victorious. But then, then it says this, and I think this is a very, uh, a very key thing. It says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. I think that's such a powerful verse because I, I think it, 
it just really encapsulates what, what Peter did. Was he wasn't focused on, on the earthly reasons that he shouldn't hop out of a boat in the middle of a storm. But he knew one thing. He knew that he trusted in God. He knew that God was calling him out. And he wasn't going to be the one to stay in the boat. So as we, uh, as we close today, I, I want to ask you guys um, just a couple questions. And um, I, I want you guys to, to really think about that, what it, what it means to step out of the boat. It's not an easy thing. Um, moving out here uh, has been one of the most rewarding experiences. Uh, it, it's also been one of the scariest at times. Um, it's been one of the hardest. I had to, uh, I, I'd been out here for about six to eight months when I found out that my dad was um, diagnosed with stage four cancer. And then I was out here when I got the call from my mom saying that somehow the cancer was gone. So I missed some, some crazy things uh, being out here. And, it, and I, I just remember when I got that call, um, the first call saying he had the cancer, it was just, uh, I felt so alone, um, which, is, which is insane because I look around and it's just, I'm so blessed to have uh, this Bridgewood family. Um, and, but it was, it was probably one of the hardest things I had ever gone through but through it all, even through my, my times of doubt and struggle, um, the Lord was there, and, and the Lord was there to, to pick me back up, and to reach out when I was drowning, and, and to pick me up and, and dust me off. So wh- what are you putting your trust in? Are you putting your trust in the boat? In the fact that, well, as long as I stay here, I'm safe. This is, this is nice. It's, it's a little scary, you know, a little rocky in the boat, but at least... At least I'm in a boat. Are you willing to put yourself at risk? Are you willing to risk uh, stepping out and, and going to where God leads you? And not all of us have put ourselves in that position. Uh, and it's not a position that's very easy to stay in, uh, of being open to whatever God is calling you to. And for some of us, it might be something small, like, you know, get to know somebody next to you, ask them out for a cup of coffee to, to get to keep building these relationships. Um, it could be, you know, rebuilding a relationship with friends or family. Uh, it could be something different. But whatever it is, are you willing to step out in faith and risk whatever it takes, knowing that God has your back and that God's going to be there to pull you up? And also, what, what position have you put yourself in? You know, I, I, think, I think the story of, of Peter walking on water is, is easily relatable for a lot of reasons. Um, I know for me there, there are certain times in my life where I feel like different, different people in the story. You know, sometimes I do feel like Peter, like moving out here. That was, that was very much a Peter move, kind of leaping first, asking questions later, um, and just trusting that God was, going to, God was going to be there to catch us. Um, but then there have been times where I felt like one of the guys in the boat, where it's, it's a lot safer in here. Um, hey, at least if Peter falls through, we get a laugh at him later. So I, I, really, I really think that as... Um, as we move into times of, of, uh, of our offering and, and more worship, uh, we have prayer teams here. I, I would really encourage you guys, if, if this is something you're, you're struggling with, or if there's something you feel like Lord's calling you to, to step out to, um, ask them to stand with you in prayer. Uh, if there's something, there's a relationship that you know He's calling you to, or, or something that He's calling you to that's uncomfortable, it's scary, um, we want to be here to pray with you alongside of that and, and to really, really press in with you. Because that was one of the things for me that, like I said, was so, was so important was that when I, when I first realized that, 
that our God was not a God that sits back and, you know, waits. He's the one that calls us out. He's the one that, that when we press in, um, he presses back. So I'd encourage you to do that. And um, we are, we are going to go ahead and move into a time of, of our offerings. And uh, maybe this is a place that the Lord's asking you to risk a little bit. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's something uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, I, I know that whatever is... If the Lord's putting something on your heart, he's going he's gonna to follow through. So I, I just want to, um, to encourage you with that. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and pray for our offering. If you would just go ahead and join me. Father God, I just thank you. Um, I just thank you for the times where I, I felt like I was, I was stuck and trapped in the, the wind and the waves, and, and you reached down to pull me out. And I, I thank you for, for calling me out to the places that I'm, I was afraid of. I thank you that when we were in those times of, of trouble and fear, and even when we take our eyes off you, Lord, you're never, you're never far away. So I pray, I pray for, for the offering, Lord. I pray that you would just, uh, you would just allow us to give joyfully and, and freely. I just thank you that, that this, this church family that you've built here, Lord, this, this community that you're, you're continuing to build, I just thank you for that because it's, it's so important to have people around that are, uh, that are sticking with each other and, uh, and encouraging each other. So I, I just pray that you would continue to, to grow and build the relationships here, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to strengthen them, uh, that you would strengthen our relationships not just with each other but with you as well. So thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.